some of the the biggest distinctions between the not so successful summits and the really really high level successful summits it's it's really the content and you talk about that all the time with yeah. podcasts right it's the same thing um if you don't have great content it's not going to be a great summit but even taking that a little further if you don't have content that truly engages with people then and there and even if it's not live it needs to feel live and they need to get that community element of it so you are listening to Podcast Success Secrets. This podcast is for people who want to become the best at what they do and build a community around that. My name is Daxi, and if you want to learn the best way to start or grow a podcast, visit podcastsecrets.co. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Success Secrets. And I brought on an old friend on the show. He, Brad was actually one of my first interviews. And I'm excited to kind of dive back into the topic of virtual summits, kind of like what they're about and, you know, kind of just get straight into things too, like, you know, what people can do if they're interested in starting one or, you know, tips and tricks, et cetera. Because you've had some recent success in the space since we last spoke. You're up to a lot of cool things. You're just, you're kind of the guy who's like behind the scenes. Like you're like the Batman of the, the in entrepreneur world. I don't know if that's a, the character you would go with. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, I probably want to go with him, but I'm okay with that. I could be compared to Batman. So you could be compared to Batman because you, there's a lot of work that goes into summits, especially if you're doing it for someone. So yeah, I firstly, before we, we dive into stuff, I want people kind of to know um, who you are a little bit and you don't have to go deep. Like it could just be a quick, you know, like what you do right now. And then we could dive into some cool stuff. So, yeah. So, I've run a full stack digital marketing agency for about six years now and um, still do that to this day. Um, work with kind of just a handful of clients at a time, uh, usually larger scale projects. And in the last year, a strategy that we've been using a lot is virtual summits, uh, really like, I guess, closer to two years, but really the last year, um, even before the whole pandemic. So, we had some. I guess you could say lucky timing. Um, not that the pandemic was anything positive, but for our business, you know, a lot of people needed a way to go virtual for their events. And um, it was something that we could offer our clients. And yeah, it's worked out really well. So yeah. And I, after you show me kind of what you do and like the results, I'm like, this will be the best way. Like I, it made me, it made it clear that that's like the best way to launch a business is with a summit. Cause there's so many like aspects to it um, or grow a business, you know, or an actually an audience. Which yeah, that's business, a right? that's a big <laughs> distinction because the last time that we talked, you know, we we initially used a virtual summit. The first one we ever ran was for a client that really had no online presence. He was just starting to get in the space. He was a successful e-com seller, but wanted to start selling a course on how he'd reach success in e-com. So just no following whatsoever. And we launched a virtual summit to build up his list and it was really successful. Um, but what we've been doing a lot of lately is we've been working with clients and businesses that are actually really well established already and using it more as a monetization tool. And that's kind of what's allowed us to get to entirely new levels um, with summits, numbers that I still can't really believe that we're hitting. Um, you know, this year we've had multiple seven figure summits. That's just on front end ticket sales. We have a Guinness World Record for the most live viewers of a virtual summit. We've kind of gone to a complete different scale. So it's a great tool to kind of start from scratch, build your list, build your authority. Uh, but it's also a great tool to monetize your existing list and monetize your existing customers and leverage other people's expertise 
which yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. So. Yeah, I, I want to talk about like some of the details of those projects, but I also want to firstly cover because a lot of people have probably heard of virtual summits before. They've tried it. They're thinking about trying it um, maybe for several years now. So like, how have you seen like virtual summits evolve? Like, you know, kind of your high level view of, you know, what a virtual summit is now and what's uh, what's so powerful about it. And then and then we could talk about kind of where you see it going. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot's changed for us. I don't know if that much has changed for a lot of people that are running virtual summits. When I first kind of learned the nuts and bolts of how to run a summit, I kind of stuck to that template, the template that I first learned. And um, it's a template that a lot of people are following with virtual summits. And it's pretty much the same every single time. If you've attended a virtual summit, I think there's two different types of virtual summits. You kind of have these really low budget ones that you can tell are thrown together and people decide one day like, hey, I'm going to run a virtual summit. And you can tell that they just decided one day to run a virtual summit. Then you see um, the complete antithesis, which is these big mega companies that are running these huge large scale virtual summits. And you've seen this really take shape with like Tony Robbins, who's now running like insane virtual events. And, um, you know, when you get into that category, it's a it's a whole new level. But what they do um, right are things that we've tried to emulate at a smaller scale. You know, most of our clients don't have a $10 million budget to go run some ridiculous virtual summit like Tony Robbins is doing. I think that's what their production team alone costs. Um, but we wanted to emulate what works really well with those large summits versus what people are doing wrong with these small virtual summits. And we, and we were really small when we started out. The first summit we ever did was, you know, about 2,500 people. It wasn't that impressive. But what we've learned is especially now, especially with the pandemic this year, but I think it applies all the time. A lot of people and a lot of your audience that's in the digital space, um, you know, podcasters or just digital entrepreneurs, they want a level of interaction that they really can't get anywhere else except for like masterminds and live events. And those are things that happen a few times a year, right? You're usually not going like every month. Some people are, maybe Daxi is, but I'm not going to go to a live event or a mastermind every single month. So I want a way to be able to interact with people and I want to get, you know, instant feedback and learn new strategies and talk to like minded people. And that's what makes a virtual summit really successful, in my opinion, is emulating things that people desire from a live setting and doing that online. And surprisingly, we do that with pre-recorded summits that just feel really live. Um, and I won't go into too many details of exactly what we do quite yet. But that's really the biggest thing is you have these people that are just throwing up a bunch of videos that you can watch and that's their virtual summit, right? Like you buy a ticket and here's 50 videos that you're going to watch during the summit. It doesn't have that feeling of live. It doesn't do all the really important things that you need to do to make any event successful, which is to interact with people, to allow attendees to interact with one another, um, to have fresh, new, raw content, not repurposed content that you're just throwing out there again. Um, some of the, the biggest distinctions between the not-so-successful summits and the really, really high-level successful summits, it's, it's really the content. And you talk about that all the time with yeah. podcasts, right? It's the same thing. Um, if you don't have great content, it's not going to be a great summit. But even taking that a little further, if you don't have content that truly engages with people then and there, and even if it's not live, it needs to feel live and they need to get that community element of it. So, yeah. And I, I know behind the scenes, like we have some clients who online events and such were a big part of their thing. And 
they are getting the same results when they go digital. And it's like you don't have to, you know, set up a whole, you know, live thing and all the costs associated with a live event versus a digital and the ease and the scalability. Um, so it's definitely gonna be a bigger trend. But um, I want to dive into your recent projects, you know, the, uh, like, we can, I don't know how many specifics you want to go into, or how much you can reveal if there's NDAs involved, etc. But um, tell me a little bit about like the Guinness World Record you just got, like, what, what did that project look like to you? And how, like the, the results of it, the success, etc. Yeah, so that one was uh, earlier this year, I think April, May, and a shout out to Brandon Vaughn. That was our client on the project. And I know he'd be perfectly fine with me talking about it. Won't go into too many specifics, but basically Brandon had this vision that, you know, he wanted to get a Guinness World Record from an online event. And it was something at first, I actually had a lot of pushback. I was like, Brandon, I don't know if this should be the focus. You know, we're a marketing company where everything's about ROI for us. We're not really chasing after records, but um, Brandon convinced me that this would be a really great thing to do for his business, for my business to be able to accomplish, you know, a feat of a Guinness World Record. Um, so we kind of, we, we went after it and we ended up getting the Guinness World Record for the largest online seven-day business conference um, ever to take place. And we had over 21,000 um, live viewers. And yeah, it, it's really the first summit that kind of opened my eyes to the potential of these events. Like if you can get, I mean, imagine this live right now, if 21,000 people were watching it, I mean, that would be pretty game changing for most people, for most businesses. And once I kind of saw the potential of what you could do with a virtual summit like that, because like I said, the first one we ever did, we had 2,500 people that registered, even less than that, probably half of that that actually attended and watched the material. So yeah, it was uh, you know a, a combination of things that made it happen. Just uh, really great networking by my client, Brandon, running a lot of paid traffic. We ran some pretty massive paid ad campaigns. And that's another mistake that I think a lot of people make is they're not willing to put the money into market events like this. And obviously you have to have a system set up so that you can monetize and there's a positive ROI. But when you set things up right for a virtual summit, when you have great content, you have great speakers, we've had some amazing speakers at our summits, um, New York Times bestselling offers, authors, we've had Russell Brunson, Ryan Dice, all sorts of people at our events. When you really go all out and make it a great event, then you can put some marketing money behind it. And that's what we did to really blow it up. We put a lot of money behind the marketing and, you know, got a positive ROI on the front end and the back end. And yeah, that was kind of what kicked off this whole year. And since then, we've done numerous summits that have uh, just gotten bigger and bigger every single time. So, yeah, I want to. I kind of want to talk about some specifics now with because uh, I don't think a lot of people understand because I've seen your project boards, man, and I've seen kind of like your your process for creating a summit for someone. It's a lot of work. It's like a 90 plus day process. and It's very detailed. And a lot of things are dependent on a lot of things happening. So can you talk a little bit about like, you know, realistically, what should people expect if they want to get started? with the summit, like at least the workload or the effort, and then maybe if there's different types of summits, because I know you mentioned earlier there's different types of summits people can do too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different factors to really go into. I mean, the first thing that I would say is if you want to just throw together a virtual summit, you know, like I kind of talked about in the beginning and maybe test the waters and get a little traction, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Go for it. I also I want to invest a ton of money into it. I want to run a bunch of paid ads because I don't think you're going to make money off of it. 
And that's what we experienced in our early summits. They weren't making money. They were break even, maybe a slight loss to build a list, which is worth it for a lot of people. But for the projects that we now take on, I mean, we treat them just like you would a live event. The same the same amount of planning goes into it. I would even argue probably the same amount of work goes into it. The difference is the costs, like you mentioned earlier, are much lower. You don't have to rent out event space. It's all done virtually. But you know, the main the main core part of a virtual summit, if I was talking to someone who had no experience and they're like, I want to run a virtual summit, I want to do it for my business. The first thing that I would do is I would plan out the schedule for what your event should look like, what you want it to look like. So generally we recommend anywhere from one to four four days for a virtual summit. Um, we haven't really seen a big difference in terms of revenue generation based on the length. Uh, we did a over a million dollars in ticket sales for a one day event. Take a bit back. I think that was it was one and a half days, but technically it was like one day of content from a one day event. So it doesn't really, really matter the length, but plan out your schedule. What do you want your event to look like? What is day one going to look like? What is day two going to look like? And then start researching who you can come and talk, have talk on those subjects. So for those that don't know, usually with a virtual event and what we recommend is interviewing experts in the field. It's the easiest way to create content, just like Daxi's doing right here for a podcast. The same would apply for a virtual summit. You're not an expert, bro. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not an expert with podcasts. That's for sure. But what, what we do is we lay out usually I, I should back up the first thing that you need to do before you plan out your content. This is assuming that you have a niche like it's the most important thing about a virtual summit. If you go too broad with the topic of your summit, if you know anything about marketing, this applies to pretty much every yeah. component of marketing. You've How do got you got a niche down um, first and really decide on like, what do you want your topic to be? Who is your target market um, is really yeah. step one. And I've noticed that kind of like the summits you do, the ideas we even talked about together and some other people like your your summits look simple and understandable and they're kind of like you know you could tell like what industry it's for and they're kind of like it seems like it could be for a big audience so like how do you you know keep summits like simple as far as like the branding of it and like the targeting well one thing that we do with branding for summits is we make the branding specific for that summit so for example you know, I'll use my business as an example, Langan Digital. I'm not going to have a summit that's called Langan Digital Summit or even Digital Marketing Summit. It wouldn't make any sense. I'm going to have a very specific topic for my summit. So let's say I want to teach people how to build funnels, the funnel building virtual summit, literally as stupid as it sounds, you have to remember that people, they, they want to know clearly what clearly are you doing with this virtual summit and you want to go directly after people who want to learn funnel building or whatever the topic is what people do far too often and you can get away with this if you have a very big list a very big brand a big following of going really broad you know like russell brunson could run a digital marketing summit and he'd probably still have success but what works for our clients a lot better is to really niche down and specifically target whatever it is you're looking to target. I'll give you an example. One of our clients is a church and they have this program in their church that's specifically for people who are dealing with drug alcohol issues. Um, and it's called Celebrate Recovery. And essentially their, their summit was the Celebrate Recovery Summit, specifically targeting people who have, you know, drug and alcohol issues. And that was it. Like it wasn't anyone outside of anyone else in their church or anything like that it was the specific segment of people in their church. And they could have gone broader and maybe they could have got more people. But 
the sales numbers are always going to be less. People aren't willing to spend money on something that doesn't directly apply to them. So you have to really go after, you know, what is the one thing you want to accomplish with your particular summit? When you do that, then it really comes down to the content, planning out the content, doing your market research. Like, what do these people want to learn specifically on this topic? And we break that out down into, like I said, one to four days on day one, we're going to teach you exactly this component. And day two, we're going to teach you. So for like funnel building day one, it's all about creatives and designs. And we're going to show you how to design a great funnel. And we're going to go find speakers that are the pros in this category, like all the pros when it comes to, you know, funnel building. Day two, maybe it's technical integrations with funnel building. We're going to go find all the pros and funnel building. And, you know, that's that's step one and the most important because everything else that comes after that is far less important. That's your content. That's, you know, what people are there for. That's the solution that they're looking for is the topic of your summit and that schedule. So that's really step one. So gotcha. Um, do you suggest free events to get high signups and depend on sponsors or paid events? Yeah, so I, I pretty much understand it. First thing that I would say is it really depends. I talked about in the beginning, there's kind of two use cases for summits. It, one is to monetize an existing list. And the reason it's a great strategy, by the w- way, to monetize an existing list is because these are people that are going to buy from you pretty much no matter what. And I, I've got pushback from people who sell, you know, like one program or one course or something. And they're like, well, I don't want to do a virtual summit and sell tickets to that. I'll just sell the one course that I sell to them. And what I say to them is the people that are going to buy your course are have already bought your course. The people who haven't bought your course want to learn more about you. They want to hear more from you. And a virtual summit is a massively great way to do that because essentially what it's going to do is you're going to build authority by seeing all these people that you're interviewing. They're going to learn more about you. It's a lower cost than probably whatever your course is. And you can use a virtual summit to monetize those people that haven't bought your core product and at the same time push them to buy your core product. So that's kind of one scenario. And get new people. Yeah. From and, like and all new the other people, people in the exactly. promoting it. Yeah. And new people. Exactly. But then there's this other scenario where you're someone that maybe you don't even have a list. You don't even have a course. You're starting from square one. And like I said, we've had clients like that. In that case, your primary goal is to build that list. So you're going to build a list faster if you offer a free event. More people are going to sign up for a free event. Less people are actually going to show up to watch the event with a free ticket, far less, in fact. But if your primary goal, if you're starting out, is to build a list, then I would recommend offering it as a free event and then having potential upsells, a really common one in the virtual summit space is the all access pass. We don't use that anymore because everyone uses that. So now we'll we'll say like VIP access or something different, something unique. You have it's to be careful. Trick, guys, you got to be different, I guess. You always yeah, I mean, how you say things. Summits have, uh, I think most people are burnt out from virtual summits, to be perfectly honest, yet we're still yeah. hosting. We literally last, last week hosted a virtual summit um, in a very niche market and did 500,000 for do our clients. Do you call so. it virtual summit? Like, are you ever named yeah, something else? Yeah, we, it, de- it depends, actually. Like I you would said, say online event before, like... We've used um, online event before. Um, it really depends on the market. So a lot of our clients have nothing to do with digital marketing or really anything digital. You know, we have we have events for doctors, for orthodontists, for dentists, for lawyers, um, for churches, like I said. So in those niches, it matters a little bit less because they're not 
you know, they haven't been oversaturated with virtual summits everywhere. In the digital marketing space, like for most of the people watching here, they've probably been completely oversaturated with virtual summits. So you have to think about that. Like, how are you going to make this unique? Um, and I'll talk about some of the unique things that we do in our events that I think has made them really successful. Um, but to answer the second part of the question, so you mentioned sponsors as well. And sponsors is something that's really important too. First of all, you're not going to get sponsors for your events if you're just starting out. That's just the reality. If no one knows who you are, um, you're not going to get sponsors for your event. That that even goes for an event that I did this year, High Ticket Seller Summit. We had Russell Brunson as our headline speaker, and we thought we were going to get a bunch of sponsorship revenue. But the reality is we had never ran an event before. No one really knew who we were and people weren't willing to give over sponsorship dollars. So in the two models I've explained, the kind of free model, I'm just getting started out, probably not going to get sponsors. You can go for it, um, but you better know what you're doing on fulfillment for those sponsors too, because they, the, a lot of these vendors can be really demanding. For our high-level sponsors, we all are high-level summits. We always go after sponsors. We just had an event again last week that did almost $200,000 in just sponsorship revenue. In fact, they were able to take, they had a live event that they wanted to convert to an online event. We were able to get all of their sponsors, every single vendor to move over from their in-person event to their online event. Um, Cause we have a really great value proposition for sponsors and we, we really hook them up. We build them custom landing pages. We run paid traffic campaigns for them. Um, we have kind of a whole system that we use in terms of that. So it would just depend on for that guy's question. This was a really, really long answer, but it, it depends. If you if you're just starting out, go for a free event. You can have some upsells like VIP access or VIP sessions is something we've been doing recently where we'll have breakout sessions into Zoom during the event that are for VIPs only. It's a really good marketing tool inside your summit because people, you know, it's the whole FOMO concept. They don't want to miss out on the VIP session. So it's like upgrade your ticket right now yeah. and then you can hop into the Zoom for the VIP session. So that's something that we do to monetize events that are free. All access passes where people give access to the recordings and all that are another option. We also have played with upsells that are actually physical products like swag boxes that you would get at a typical in-person event. And we'll upsell that within the sessions. So, yeah. So I want to talk about the sponsorship piece because I've seen, uh, it's interesting you say like for for someone it's difficult for one of your clients, but for other clients, I've seen you have huge sponsorships. Like what are sponsors looking for? How do you kind of price those packages? Like what's the pitch look like? Um, is it is it part of it around like their personal brand authority or is it mainly like what they have to leverage, et cetera? I mean, it depends a little per client. I would say most clients that get really like some really great sponsorship revenue coming in, they have existing relationships with those vendors. And our job when they hire us is to basically show them because most of them have no clue, like what is sponsoring a, an online event even mean? Like, how do we get exposure? And what we really show them is they can get a much higher level of exposure through an online event than they can at an in-person event. They're used to setting up a booth and talking one-on-one -on -one with people. Well, in an online event, there's so many unique things we can do. So one is we have we have a lot of custom development that goes on in the back of our summits. Um, I have a full-time developer that we're, we're basically working on software to run virtual summits. Um, it's the software we internally use. But anyways, what we do is we set up like a sponsor hub. It's like a virtual conference room, essentially, where they can visit all the sponsors and we track 
where they're visiting sponsors. We have gamification. I haven't even told you this stuff, Dax. I'll have to demo the system to you. But we have a gamification Damn. system. I feel like that, you're leaking some important knowledge. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, leak, leak it. We have a gamification system that allows them to track like who's going to which sponsor um, and then give people incentives to visit sponsors. Like, hey, if you visit the sponsor, you can win a, a prize, a cash prize or something else. Um, we also run paid media campaigns for the sponsors. So we run retargeting ads to everyone from the event that directs them to their custom built landing page that's fully integrated in our system. So we're doing direct response marketing for them. We're getting them demos and leads and bookings right there on the summit. And that's music to any vendor's ears. If you tell them like, hey, we're not just gonna put your name up there because with booths, it's like, hopefully we get booth traffic and hopefully people sign up for more information. Uh, But it's always like, hopefully with a live event. We have banners up and people can see our name. And for some really big companies, that's all they care about. It's brand awareness. But for smaller vendors or even medium sized vendors, I mean, we had a vendor. I won't I can't really say the name, but I mean, we had a vendor in this last event we did. They're a five hundred million dollar a year company. We had another vendor that's probably a five hundred thousand year company. Um, So it just really depends on the vendor and what their goals are. But when you tell them we're going to get people to sign up for your product, they're willing to hand over some pretty serious cash. Uh, Most of them have no experience in direct response marketing. The bigger the company, the worse their marketing is, as crazy as that seems. But that's usually the case. Um, So it's a pretty good value They just hire out like a consultancy. They don't like do their own marketing, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of that. They're also hiring college kids that have, you know, no applicable marketing experience. They got their marketing degree and they don't really know what they're doing. So I, I notice with big companies, they're always five years behind what people that are watching this are doing. Um, so it, it's a really great value proposition. We had a, a summit sponsor this last event that got like 45 demos booked for their, um, it's a software company booked for their software company. And they said that's like what they typically do in a month is 45 book demos. And we did it in like a two day event for them. And we have no prior experience working with them. And I promise you, they paid us way less than they're probably spending a month on marketing. So we just have a great value proposition for sponsors. And when you bring in sponsorship revenue for an event, it allows you to basically liquidate your entire costs. Most of our clients are profitable from sponsors before they even start a summit. So they're literally getting paid to put on the summit. Um, so it's the, it's the easiest sell. I, I sell $50,000 contracts all the time. That's the easiest sell I've ever done in my life because I can show them, Hey, we're going to bring in a hundred K plus in sponsorship revenue. And then we're going to use all the extra money to market this event and it's pure profit for them. So sponsors are a huge part of it. And that's the good thing about if you run a virtual summit, if you have no experience and you start running them and getting a little more traction each time building it up bigger events each time eventually you can tap into those vendors and then it's a game changer so yeah you do huge summits bro or you get huge results for summits like you have a really cool system i also so well there's one question we can go over quickly yeah um, because i also want to kind of go back like um just to you know go ground level so it's not overwhelming because some of the people don't aren't like not everyone in my audience is a large company right so some specific stuff, but pricing. Someone asked about pricing the summit. Like, what do you like on a business end? What do you see people kind of like? You know, value ladders. You know, obviously people have their own back end, but like you know, in the funnel itself, like what kind of pricing models are you seeing or integrating? Yeah, it it once again depends on the size of the event. So we have like specialty events where we're doing like five hundred dollar tickets, 
which is like ridiculous for a virtual event that's like on par with in-person events. And then we have events where they're free to attend. So what I would say to you is it really depends on kind of where you're at. Again, a virtual summit is different for someone who's just starting out compared to someone who is very well established. So let's talk to the people that are just starting out. If you're just starting out, the easiest pricing structure I would say for you is you're going to do a free event on the front end, and then you're going to have some sort of upsell. What I recommend that's working right now is VIP sessions. You pay X amount of dollars, you're going to get access to these VIP sessions during the summit. You can easily run those on Zoom and only send the private Zoom link out to people who upgrade. Um, and you could do something like $47 for the VIP sessions. If you're starting out, the more established you are, the more you can up those prices. We also always do a $27 order bump anywhere from $27 to $47 for digital notes. We have a whole team that that's their only job is they just take notes on all the sessions for the summit. In fact, it's it's a service that we offer for other people too for summits. So if that's something you guys need, can reach out. And it's a nice way to sell a digital product through your summit. You're you're creating a digital product with the summit itself, which is pretty cool. So yeah, typically around the $47 mark, if you're starting out for some sort of upgrade, a nice $27 order bump. And then the biggest thing, especially if you're starting out, is make sure you have a back-end offer. Because if you're going to be break-even for a summit, which honestly, people are promising you're going to make a ton of money your first virtual summit, it's probably not going to happen. If it's a success, you're breaking even because that means you just built your list for free. So that's a huge win. But now how are you going to monetize that new list? So having an offer on the back end, which we used to sell directly through the funnel, you know, through the virtual summit funnel, we don't do that anymore. Now we sell it on the back end through VIP sessions. We get all these people in Zoom, you know, hundreds of people in Zoom, and then we sell our back end program. And that we did uh, for a summit that me and a couple partners did, we did a $500 product in the back end. Our sales numbers were like 30% or something. You could probably go even higher than that, depending on your target market. So that's roughly like what I would do in terms of a, a stack of offers. And the last piece that I said about that of getting people in these Zoom VIP sessions. So the people that have already paid a little bit of money and then upselling them to a bigger program, um, I think is probably one of the most successful sales tactics I've used out of a summit. It's it's massive. You're basically doing a live webinar right at the end of your summit. They're really hot for your content because they've all they've watched all these interviews. And yeah, so that's what I would say about pricing and just offer gotcha. stacks in general for a summit. Cool, cool, cool. By the way, what's your website? Uh, it's oh, langandigital.com. But just so you guys know, L-A-N-G-A-N digital.com. Yeah. I mean, just so people know, we pretty much only consult with people that are looking to do kind of done for you summits. But if you have like general questions about summits, I'm happy to answer them. You can find me on Facebook, Brad Langan, and just send me a message and I'll, I'll be happy to answer them. But if you are a company that's, you know, looking to have a summit completely done for you, uh, we do take on about 10 to 15 clients a year. So yeah, got about- Brad's doing some big projects right now, man. Get in there, trying so. to get on Daxie's level. So, <laughs> come on, I, I we need to collaborate soon. By the way, um, uh, so I had a question actually about because I think an important part, especially if you're doing like a smaller type summit, if you're not like you know this huge company, is getting good names, good guests. Like I think that's a crucial part to having some credibility to your summit. Or like yeah. without that, like it's hard. Just like the summit's about me, right? So like, what are like what 
what would you recommend to people like, you know, you know, like, what does a strategy look like there? Like find the people pitching them, like reaching out, like, what do you need to have in place? Like, et cetera. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the first thing that I would do is I would really go back to step one of picking your niche and building out your schedule and your schedule doesn't have to have specific people that are speaking. It can just be topics of who, you know, what topics you want covered. And that's kind of step one. Then I would go and actually build your event landing page or get someone to build it for you and spend a lot of time on that and make it nice and make it look polished. Because if you're going to go approach high level speakers and you show them your event website and it's some crappy website that was thrown up, which is 75% of the summits that we see, uh, that's why we've done so well this year is people aren't putting a whole lot of effort into these things. There's a lot of pop-up summits. Yeah. Stand out with having a great graphic designer that you can hire and make a great page and you know put your schedule and all your topics on there. And then what's your favorite to- platform here, by the way? For building the page itself. We use primarily Convertry or just completely custom done. Um, so it okay. depends, but we'll use ClickFunnels sometimes too. Uh, we love Russell, but uh, it's a little slower on ClickFunnels. So we typically use Convertry or just a custom coded page. So it's okay. He's not listening. He might be listening. Or if maybe, you are, Russell, thanks yeah. for speaking at our summit. And for the summit we did that you were on, we use ClickFunnels just to be clear. So. Um, but yeah, tip, typically those are the different softwares that we use. And that's really important because what I see is people go approach speakers and they they treat them like a joke because their website looks like a joke. And I know in the marketing world, people are like, oh, you don't need a website and that's not important. But in the virtual summit space, like you do, because that is your platform. You know, you're not it's different than a live event. You're like, we're going to be at the Hyatt at this beautiful conference room and you can show them pictures of the conference room. That's like kind of what it is for a virtual summit. Here's our website. Here's our page. Look how nice and polished this is. It's almost like a portfolio. Yeah, exactly. And then you and you got to make sure you have a topic that they can speak to really well um, or you shouldn't be approaching them in the first place. So that's why that schedule is so important and all your topics. And then you go find people who are experts in those areas and people want to talk about the stuff that they're experts at, right? They don't want to talk about things that they're not too certain about. That would be like me trying to talk about podcasts. I'd sound like an idiot. So if you have a topic that is specific to them, and especially, you know, like Russell Brunson, for example, the main reason he spoke at our summit is we saw what he was doing in his business. He was promoting traffic secrets. So we had a summit that played into that perfectly. And we're like, hey, come promote your book. And we showed him all the great speakers that we had lined up. Um, But it's also a waterfall effect with speakers. You get that one guy, then the next guy is going to come. Then the next guy, like we got Russell Brunson and then it was like everyone said yes to us for our summit. So, um, but look up the Dream 100 method too, which I know you guys are familiar with. I'm sure Daxi, you've talked about. Um, We've had some, actually I'll tell one story because it's hilarious and I don't work with this client anymore. So hopefully he's not watching this, but he told me to never share this with someone. This is how he got a really big speaker for his event. He Venmoed them $1 and on the Venmo, he had a message of, will you speak at my event? And this big time marketer thought it was just the most genius thing. He was pissed off. He's like, never do that again. I would never teach my students to do that, but that was genius. And yes, I'll speak at your summit. So be creative, you know, find a way to reach people. Hopefully don't disrespect them while you're doing it. But insider secret. Yeah. Why? why, I would have gave at least more than $1. But then probably again, would have given more than one dollar too. Uh, that's the first thing I thought of when he told me that. But I was like, eh, I got his attention. So, yeah, probably like seven dollars at least. 
(laughs) I think it was more so he's probably not used to getting a message through Venmo for speaking at an event. So it seemed to work pretty well. But yeah, yeah, look up the Dream 100 method. Yeah, so that's that's I, and that that's kind of like the business world, you know, when you can work with one big person, it's much easier to work with other big people. (laughs) Um, so like, uh, that's super important. Like getting that, you know, the head. I I guess when you're making a summit, you're thinking about are you are you usually thinking about, or does it it depend on client? Like who's that biggest speaker you're presenting, or is it mainly like a panel you're presenting? Or no, we always have like five people in mind that we know like, okay, who are, who are the industry titans for what we're talking about? And if we and got for them, like, are you, do you have like clever tricks, like back pocket, like, you know, they have a playbook of like getting their attention or, you know, pitching to them or. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's a little bit easier than people think uh, the bigger they are, the more likely they have like a PR rep that you can to reach respond. out to. Yeah. Um, we have a series of templates of emails that we send. Um, it's also, easier on virtual because we we literally ask hey first of all we always start low with the time commitment we're like can we do a 15 minute interview over zoom like he doesn't have to show up early there's no prep it's going to be super casual like 15 minutes that's all we want yeah exactly make it super easy for them also we show them you know our event page we tell them how many people we expect to have at the event and hopefully that's a big number and even if you don't know the exact number we expect this this many people um we also uh what are some other strategies that we use if we have other speakers that we've happened to get somehow we leverage those to get more speakers um but really it's reaching out to the pr agent it's a low commitment for a lot of exposure we have this great wonderful site it's going to be a you know, really successful event. We show a higher level of production value than everyone else. And, you know, that's how we set ourselves apart. So. Gotcha. Dude. So we're, we're about like 40 minutes in right now. I've been trying to keep these around 45 minutes. I've been looking at my analytics. So <laughs> but we, I feel like we could talk, like I have so many questions still. Like, I feel like we could talk about this for days, bro. But uh, is there anything like you think, like you want to talk about specific that I didn't ask you and cover you think is important? Yeah, I would yeah, say I would say the biggest thing is if you have an existing list, if you have a big list that you're looking to monetize, then absolutely run a virtual summit. And if you don't have a list, absolutely run a virtual summit. There's it's a marketing strategy that out of all the strategies that I personally use, we've done challenge funnels, we've done webinar funnels, and they they all work, right? But with a virtual summit when it's executed properly i don't think anything has as big of a boom all at one time um it's it's you're getting this big hype all at one time so running a summit before you do a product launch or a course launch is a really great strategy so i would say to everyone out there you know go look into how to run a virtual summit obviously in 45 minutes we can't really go through all the nitty-gritty but essentially you're you're recording interviews and you're you're putting them online and making it look nice you know don't throw don't throw it together there's a lot of free information um i wouldn't even recommend necessarily buying a course on how to do a virtual summit there's just so much free information out there um so go look for it and i can guarantee you if you if you do them correctly they work really well and if you don't do it correctly then do another one and then do another one until you get good at it but yeah i think that's that's really it um, unless you have specific questions, then yeah. Yeah, I have one. Um, okay. It's actually a good question. Fred, uh, he asked, uh, do you recommend more like interview style or let the speaker take the floor and talk about a topic? 
So we've seen both work really well, actually. We have some clients that do like in-studio um, filming where they're they're kind of talking to the camera, they're presenting more so. And then we have a lot of summits, and this is the the large majority of them, are just interview style that they do right over Zoom, just like we're doing. There's pros and cons of both. I think it depends on the topics of the summit. But what I will say, especially if you're just getting started out, do Zoom interviews. Um, two reasons they're really powerful. One is they're easy. You can hop on a Zoom, you can record it real quick, boom, you're done with the session. Uh, but two, if you have great speakers coming onto your summit, it's a huge authority boost. So if I'm interviewing Russell Brunson or Ryan Dice or Jay Beer or any well-known name and you're seeing me with him interviewing him on camera, it's a really great authority builder. So I recommend usually doing interview style. Presentation style can work depending on the event, but I would say by and large, we've seen more success with interview style. So gotcha. But there's no correct Boom, answer, we got another, obviously. Yeah. I prefer interview style because you're you have more FaceTime, I guess, and engagement. Yeah, it takes so the burden off another, you too. I mean, you don't have to create all the content, right? They're helping you create the content. But yeah, go to the next one. If you're building a brand, how many summits do you suggest doing per year? Um, I don't think there's a set number that you could really say. But if I if I was... Let's say if it goes good, if a summit's doing good, uh, what do you suggest? I mean, I would do one every quarter, personally. Maybe they're on slightly different topics or something. Um, maybe not the exact same topics each time. But obviously, it should have the same target market with different topics. And I think you could do them up to once every quarter. If it's something that you want to have in your back pocket as a strategy that you can use successfully all the time, then I would definitely say um, do as many as you can. You're going to get better each time. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you being on, man. We'll, we'll have to do this again in the future. So where could people you know, work with you? If you're going to want to start something, you want to hire someone and it's in your budget, go hire Brad or send people to Brad. Uh, but yeah, where people can like follow you, work with you, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in learning more about if we'd be a good choice for done for you summits, you can go to langandigital.com, L-A-N-G-A-N digital.com, and you can schedule a call and, you know, we'll just kind of show you what we do. And if it seems like a good fit, then we can talk about working together. And if you're just looking for more information or you have a quick question or something, I'm not the best at responding on Facebook, but I will try. Um, just Brad Langan, Facebook Messenger, and you can shoot me a message and I'll I'll try to give you a quick response. So boom. If you have any questions, go hit him up. I don't want to like blow up your inbox, but um ask him no, one question. All <laughs> then if, I, if I take a while to respond, I, I apologize. So but cool. All right, guys. Thanks for hopping on. See you guys next time. Peace out. Hey, what's up? Hope you enjoyed that episode and you got a lot of value out of it. We really put a lot of effort into making these episodes really good for you. But there is more things you can do with us. If you visit LegacyPodcasting.com, you can book a call with us to see if you're a right fit for our podcast production and marketing services. We work with a lot of big brands and big entrepreneurs out there and we're pretty selective. So if you have a show that's doing good, that's generating you money and you want to take it to the next level, hire a team of people who can really help you get to the next level as far as promoting your podcast and getting people to consume it. Go to LegacyPodcasting.com, book a call with us and we'll get you set up. So thanks for listening again and we'll talk soon. Peace out.